you could have done some more of that. <laughs> that was so pretty. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome. Let me give you a few announcements before we begin our worship. First of all, this is Don Shabke, who is our new organist. You might not have seen him before now. I don't know. Or you might not know who he was. On, on Christmas Eve, he will be playing some Christmas carols on the Celtic harp beginning at 545. So if you'd like to come early uh, to the Christmas Eve candlelight communion service and have some pre-service music, it would be, I think you will be well blessed. So that's at 545 with the service beginning at 6. Next Sunday is a combined service Sunday at 1228 Sunday at uh, Family Life Center at 10 o'clock. So there won't be a service in here next week. There will be a service in the Family Life Center at 10 o'clock. And after that service, there will be a special called meeting the administrative council uh, to, uh, to approve the budget. And with that, Kevin Duncan, who's the chair of the finance committee, is on his way up. He's going to talk to you just real briefly about uh, the budget and the pledges and that stuff. And while he's coming up here, a reminder to youth, the youth Christmas parties today at 6 o'clock. See Paige for questions. As Pastor Joseph... As Pastor Joseph was speaking, this morning our finance committee met uh, for the second time in a couple weeks to put together the budget going into 2015. Um, it was approved by the finance committee and as of next week when we meet with the administrative council, hope to have it approved and set for 2015. With that said, just a little bit of history and where we are going next year. Um, the last few years we have not raised the budget, been very conservative. And fiscal uh, with that last year we even decreased it by a good percentage next year into 2015 we will be increasing the church budget and there are several reasons why we will be increasing the church budget um, and I think everyone in this congregation and members of this church will agree with that um, if I would like to thank everyone that participated a few weeks ago in consecration Sunday and if you did fill out a pledge card thank you so much those go to help us in the equation of building the budget for next year. If you have not filled out a pledge card, there is still time. I know there are some there in the narthex. And if you've never contributed or never filled out a pledge card, I ask that you prayerfully consider that as we go into 2015. Those really do help the Finance Committee and help us gauge what the next year's budget is going to be. Um, again, God has blessed us with so much here at this church. The reasons we will be looking to increase the budget for next year are a couple of things. One is our children's ministry. If y'all seen the, the rapid growth Katie has experienced in that area, you will understand why we're increasing that budget. And then also for the youth, um, Paige has come in, she's got a lot of fantastic ideas, a lot of mission work that can be done within that area. We are seeing increasing numbers with the youth. So for the first time in many years, the youth budget will also be increasing. And the last budget that we'll be increasing is something that we cannot gauge each year, year in, year out, is the trustees' budget. And that is for our facilities and maintenance. And as we know, as many facilities as we have here at Memorial, it takes funds to operate those and keep the lights on, keep the heat on, and function. We have been very blessed the last few years. There have been some families of this church that have left money through trusts 
to the trustees. And with that money, the trustees have done a fantastic job with the improvements of the facilities, the grounds, the parsonage. You see the new playground out there. Well, those trust funds are now gone. So now it is even tasked more with Wayne Morris and his group to come up with a number of what it takes to operate and function these facilities here at Memorial. So again, if you have not filled out a pledge card, I do ask that you think about that, you do pray about that. Again, remember how much God has blessed us, especially in these holiday seasons. And uh, next year should be a fantastic year for Memorial. I'm very excited about what we've got going on, and I appreciate it. Thank you. This is the last Sunday that I would ever be able to say this, and so I want to say this. Uh, Jessica, would you stand up for a moment, please? This is Jessica's last Sunday with us because next Sunday is a combined service Sunday at the Family Life Center. Jessica grew, has grown up here. She got married here. David's up there in the balcony. David, we've enjoyed having you. We're mad at you because you're taking her away from us, but we understand with your job and the personal reasons. But I just wanted us to take a moment to express our appreciation to Jessica for all her hard work and the, how she's led us in music in this service. Thank you.
The Lord. Let us pray together. Eternal God, in your providence you made all ages a preparation for the kingdom of your Son. Make ready our hearts for the brightness of your glory and the fullness of your blessing. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, 
maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let our family come up. They'd slide in our Advent wreath. I believe it's the Lee family, yes. Sunday of Advent. The reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We light this candle as a symbol of the Prince of Peace. May the visitation of your Holy Spirit, O God, make us ready for the coming of Jesus, our hope and joy. O come, O come, Emmanuel.
let our children come forward <laughs> and our children's person. Good morning. I'm glad to see you, all three of you. And this is a very special week for you, isn't it? What's going to happen Thursday? No, not what happens on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's Jesus' birthday, and somebody else is going to have a birthday that day too, isn't he? Yes, you. <laughs> That's a pretty special day for you, then, isn't it? It is for all of us. Are you, are you ready for Christmas? The shopping's done and everything's wrapped. And, no. You don't know about all that. Is your house decorated? Mm -hmm. What kind of decorations do you have? You have a Christmas tree? You got a Christmas tree? Yeah. You know what my favorite Christmas decoration is? A, a nativity set. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Well, my favorite Christmas decoration is a nativity set. And I hope that everybody, not just you three, but everybody, when they go out today, they look at the nativity set that's out in the narthex. I don't know who made it. I've been, this is my 26th Christmas in this church, and it's always been here, so I, it, it must be older than that. I don't, it's very beautiful. And, and collecting nativity sets used to be one of my hobbies, until I had about 12 of them, and I decided that was kind of too much. <laughs> and so I started giving some away. And I still have a few. One is like little children dressed up for Christmas. I have one from Alaska. And in that one, the stable is an igloo. And the animals are like polar bears and seals and things like that. So I don't think either one of them are real, very realistic. I guess right now my favorite one, or one of my favorite ones, is this one. And you can hold it and look at it. It's made out of the wood from an olive tree, and it came from Bethlehem. What's special about Bethlehem? That's where Jesus was born. And that I've had for, I don't know, about 20 years, I think. But that's one of my favorites. It's not beautiful, like the crystal one that I have at home. But it, it has all the important people there. Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. There are three kings, one, two, three, and a shepherd. And there are some animals in there. I don't know who made this. I don't think they were the very realistic looking animals. And there we have the star. 
There are no angels, but I don't think the angels came to Bethlehem. Good, that's wonderful. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I want you to, to think about it. Christmas is Jesus' birthday. That's what we're celebrating. We're not celebrating Rudolph or Santa Claus or any of those things. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. And in, the, in Luke, in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it says, And while they were there, which was there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to be delivered, and she gave birth to her first son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, we don't know what that stable, that place was. It might have been a barn, or a wooden barn. It might have been a cave. When I was your age, we lived next door to a farm. And in one corner of one of the barns in that farm, they had a special place boarded off and it had stone, actually stone walls. And every time there was time for a mama cow to have a calf, they'd put her in this little corner. And they'd put fresh tray down for her. And they'd put a wooden box. They, was, they called the manger. And that's where they put some food for the cows. In my mind, that's where baby Jesus was born. I know it's not true. That's not where he was born. But in my mind, that's the stable. So when you get up Christmas morning, I hope everything goes great and you have the presents you wanted and, and you have a good time. But remember, it's Jesus' birthday. And to help you remember, I'm going to give you each a candy cane. What letter is that? J for Jesus. And Jesus was a shepherd. And remember the shepherd? And Jesus was a shepherd. And the shepherds came to see Jesus. And the shepherds all had a crook like that to help them. When some of the sheep wandered off, they could just catch them with that hook and pull them back where they belong. So I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas. And now we're going to give one quick... So let us pray, and then we go back to your seat. Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to live on earth so that he could teach others about you and show us how to live. Please help us to live the way that in a way that pleases you. Amen. Let us bow our heads for prayer. Oh Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Our spirits this day proclaim your greatness, O oh Lord. We rejoice in you. You are our Savior and we your people. 
And we stand in awesome wonder every Advent and Christmas of your great wisdom and your unfolding of your plan to save us and all creation. We must confess, O oh Lord, this day that you've given us this faith to understand the mystery of Christ's birth. Yet we do not rely upon our faith when we discover that your ways are beyond our ability to comprehend. Your word reveals your truth, but we rebel when that word seems too hard to grasp. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Bring that word alive in us once again. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, just like you did to Chosen One Mary. Pour it out again upon us that we may respond in faith to your call and might be bearers of the Christ in the world today. We're reminded this day that some in our midst are sick in body, mind, or spirit. We know that there are many this day who suffer under oppression and just rulers. We pray, O oh Lord, for all these who are listed on our prayer list and all those prayers that we know in our families. And we pray for the world and for peace. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would, in the fullness of time, bring about what is needed and what's best for us all. Bring us all to your salvation that was wrought in Christ Jesus. For we pray as he taught us to pray this Advent. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We United Methodists believe that giving is part of worship. So let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward this time to receive our tithes and our offerings.
You may be seated. Our reading is from Isaiah, and it's probably familiar because you just heard it read. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, help us this day through the power of the Holy Spirit to understand the importance to each one of us individually and collectively to all creation, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the fancy theological term for the birth of Jesus Christ is incarnation. St. John said it this way in the Gospels. He said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. How can that be? Consider this dilemma. How can an all-knowing God who has created everything that we see and cannot see, how can that God live like a child? Learning to eat, to talk, to walk. How could the one who constructed the foundations of the mountains and the seas learn how to stack toy blocks? Max Lucado is a well-known Christian author and one of my favorites. And, and in response to that question, he wrote these words. Let me quote. It all happened in a moment, a most remarkable moment that was like no other. While the creatures of the earth walked unaware, divinity arrived. God was given eyebrows and elbows and kidneys and he stretched against the walls of the womb and he floated in the amniotic fluids of his mother, just like all babies. End of quote. But to think of Jesus in such light seems almost irreverent, doesn't it? Isn't it much easier for us to keep the humanity out of the incarnation? Isn't it much easier for us to keep God up there somewhere? We must not do it. That's what we must learn this Advent. We must not do it. We must let God be as human as God intended to be. We must let God be in the muck and the mire of our existence. For only if we let God in our existence can He pull us out of it. Yes, this Word take on flesh, this incarnation is indeed a mystery. But the result is much clearer. The result is God's yes forever to his human creation. That's the way St. Paul saw it. St. Paul said, this is God with us. And a God with us is a God for us. And a God for us, we need not be afraid 
to be in front of that God for judgment. We must not be afraid. For, for a God with us is a God also within us, working through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, this incarnation is the most important event that ever happened to us as humans. God was no longer out there somewhere. God was maybe not even in a temple somewhere. God wasn't on a holy mountaintop somewhere. God was here and now, and God still is. And it all happened in that very special moment. That very special moment. Moments that are sometimes missed. Special moments are often missed by many. But they're created by God and they forever punctuate the timeline of history. In these great moments, like the disciples looking at loaves and fishes that never give out to a multitude of people. Or the story of the leper, you may recall, who saw his skin healed and he runs back to thank Jesus, to thank God. These moments, like the thief who looked towards Jesus on the cross and said, forgive me, remember me. And Jesus saying, today you'll be in paradise with me. These moments must not be missed by us. These are special moments. These special moments occur in our life too. These moments like when a child opens up its first gift. God does, not, does, does things in this incarnation that really we could have never imagined. For example, riding donkeys, washing feet, dozing in a boat in a storm, wearing diapers, dying for our sins. These are great moments when God puts on humanity and experiences life just as we do. Experiences all our joy and our laughter and all our tears and our sadness. That's what the incarnation is. That's what God with us in human flesh means. It is indeed God's yes to us, His creation. It couldn't be anything but that. It should remind us and help us all to remember that a God who created us and then came to us in a form that we could understand and see and touch and feel and talk to is not a God that will abandon us. That God will not abandon us. He will be with us always to the end of the age. We live in a time when most people have abandoned God. But God has not abandoned us. And we must be reminded of that this Advent. You know, it's always remarkable to me that 
in these high and holy days of the church, Christmas, Advent, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, Transfiguration, Christ the King, these Ascension Sunday, these high church days, you might say, these festival days, these, these days that are so important on our calendar. Have you noticed that people make an effort to be present in church during those high holy days? Why is that? They know the story. They know what's going to happen. Why do people want to hear the story again? Why do we repeat the story? I believe we repeat the story because we want to make sure that that story stays a part of us. We want it to become such a part of us, an intimate part of us. We repeat the story because we want the truth of the story to become part of us. And we're afraid just a little bit. We're afraid that somehow or another we'll miss it. We repeat the story because we want to see God in our world. We repeat the story because we want to see God in the faces of others. So we repeat the story because we want to see Jesus and those who are unwanted and unneeded in our world. We repeat the story until it is ground into our consciousness. We repeat the story because we want it to govern our actions. We want to live the story. We repeat the story because we want that grace of God to become incarnate into us. Yes, we repeat the story because we want our actions to have human form and substance just like God's. We repeat the story because we want to be reminded that we too are sons and daughters of God. Not in the same way Christ is, but in the only way humanly possible for us to become God's child, and that is by telling the story, by living the story, by being the story. And in the final result, God's yes also becomes God's peace to us. Because a God who would create us and not leave us orphans, who would come to us, means that God's, God works out of love, and from that love is peace between us. God desires peace with His creation. I can't explain it, but I can feel it. And as I repeat the story, as I live the repetition of the story every season. Many cultures celebrate many different ways. In Latin America, I was reading about a Christmas ritual that they call the Las Posadas. Now, I didn't take Spanish so I'm not sure if I pronounced it right, but I think I must have. At least after the 9 o'clock service, no one came up and corrected me. 
It's a phrase that has something to do with the lodging of the holy family. And the ritual goes like this. Someone is dressed up as Mary and riding a donkey, and someone's dressed up as Joseph, and, they're, and, they're, and they go down the street with the congregation following them, and they go to this house, this predetermined house, where those people are the innkeepers. And so this ritual is acted out in front of a member's home. Every time I read this story, I think, God, we ought to try doing this. It just sounds so interesting to get you into the story. So the woman on the donkey and a man are followed by this group as they approach this certain house. And Mary and Joseph knock on the door and they ask for a room. Well, the people on the inside, they come to the door and they tell the family, go away, go away. There is no room here. We don't want you here. Go away. And they shut the door. Now at this point in the ritual, the crowd outside begins to plead for the Holy Family. Let them in. They need a place to stay. She's with child. Can't you see? And so they do this shouting and carrying on and pleading. And after much pleading, the door opens again. The owner turns on the lights and he invites them all in. They all come in and eat. We'll have to find somebody that's got a big house if we recreate this. Worn down by the pleading, they give lodging to the Holy Family. That's the way the ritual goes. Now we know that this is not what happened. No one spoke up. No one spoke up on behalf of Mary and Joseph. God's yes was immediately answered with the all too familiar human no. No room. We don't want you. There's no room for you here. You see, no room for God is prevalent in the world today. No room for God is not just a historical footnote in this wonderful story that we repeat every year. It is an indicator of the spiritual condition of all of humankind. But the fact of the matter is that every day somewhere, Christ knocks on the door of their heart. Every day somewhere is Christ saying those wonderful words from Scripture, listen, I am standing at the door, knocking, and if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. What a wonderful promise. Christ is always at the door, knocking, asking to come in, asking to be with us, willing to be for us. And that's what Christmas is all about. God's yes. God's coming to us. So how will we answer God's yes this year? Will we open the door of our heart? Will we allow Christ to come in completely? Will we plead on His behalf when He stands in front of someone's closed heart? 
My friend, I hope that this Christmas I leave you with this thought. If you feel the joy of the birth of, of the Christ child, if you feel that joy in your heart, if you feel the tragedy when the Christ child is rejected and abandoned by the world, if you are saddened by it, then plead on his behalf. Answer God's yes with the way you live your life. Tell the story. Live the story. Be the story. Amen. Let us stand and sing our closing hymn. 238.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn and smile at you this day. And may the Lord give you His peace. And Merry Christmas.